episode 96 of the Bevan James Isle Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast. I've got a challenge for you. Radio team, welcome along to episode 96 of the Bevan James Hour Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast. Radio team, welcome along to episode 96 of the Bevan James Hour Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast, the fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. Well, welcome along to 2017. Got to say, it's just awesome to kind of kickstart into a new year, and I've got a this show today's show is going to be. I'm going to put a challenge out to you. I'm going to I'm going to challenge you in the main gist of the, today's show. You know, it's a, we're probably getting back into work now, and I know often people are listening to this in the future, but I am recording this on the 9th of January, so most people are kicking back into their regular routine now, and it's you know it's that time of year where we've probably done some reflection and done something thinking about the change we'd like to create in our life moving forward for this year and you know we all know that most new year's resolutions kind of don't really happen and what i want to do in today's show is kind of maybe give you an approach or a challenge for you to focus on for the first month of 2017 and have a challenge that maybe can set some a pathway to, to you actually being someone who gets to the end of this year and go, you know, I have achieved the things I set out to achieve. And I don't know for myself, you know, I've got some big change I'm trying to create in my life this year as well. And, uh, you know, within myself and also within my kind of the future of my career. So there's kind of things that I'm trying to build and change. And so, yeah, just some really interesting stuff to think about there. Before I get into the main part of today's show, but I just want to share uh, just some insight I gained. So, uh, I, I, I've often talked about my biggest mentor, and, and uh, this is a man who has a bit, was a big influence on my life, and um, I've, I've tried to get him on the show, and he's hopeless. Like he's a, he's a brilliant man, but he's hopeless as in getting in contact and stuff. And I last year when you know, I went to the UK, I spent a few time a bit of time. His name's Chris, a good friend of mine, and I spent a bit of time with Chris. And I said oh, I've got to get you on my podcast. And then when I I couldn't make it work when we were together, and then because I just wanted to hang out. And then when I got home, I emailed him and said let's catch up. And then he said yes. And then he forgot that it was happening and so on and so on. Well, he's recently just moved back to New Zealand, so I'm kind of hoping that I can con him into coming on the show. And the reason I want to do that is because I want you to hear why this man is such a powerful person in helping people grow. And recently on his Facebook page, he just put a post up that Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera, you know, the the news network, um, it's a global news network, Al Jazeera, they've done a, a documentary about his English department in the UK. Now he's just recently come back to New Zealand but he just basically on his Facebook page he put a link saying if you want to see what I've done in the last seven years of my time in the UK uh, check this out and he, they're doing a documentary now I haven't actually seen the documentary yet and the reason was it was it's not up on the internet yet but you know hopefully it'll be up really soon but there's an article on it and there's a short clip which is kind of an advertisement for the documentary they're going to be presenting and this documentary basically just follows his English department and to see what they are doing now the thing I why I want to share this with you is that Chris was the head English teacher or English, the head of English at this school, the London Nautical School, uh, for the last period of time. And when I caught up with him now, I'm not going to get these numbers exactly right, but basically his department was overperforming massively. One of the best English departments in London for the period that he was teaching in the last period of time. And I know, I have no doubt that Chris would be a person who would achieve things like this. But one thing this this little clip, this advertising it did for this, and when, when the thing comes on, when the whole documentary comes on, I'll actually link it to my uh, to my website because I just think it, it, it'll be pretty interesting. But one thing that this, the reason that Al Jazeera was so interesting, interested in doing a documentary on Chris's English department, which is a pretty massive thing, to, to be identified by, you know, one of the world's leading news organisation to say that, 
the thing you've implemented in your school is so different and could be so powerful that we want to do a documentary on it. Kind of shows the level of of what Chris can achieve. And and uh, and I, I guarantee if we talked to Chris, he would not be the person who's going to take ownership for this. Oh no, he'll probably take ownership for the idea. But it's not that he's achieved this thing. It's that this team he's built has achieved this thing. But like for example, I'm looking at the documentary's headline now, and it says "Democratic Schooling for the UK." And if you go on and you watch a short clip about what it is, well, basically what Chris decided to do is at the beginning of the year, the English teachers get up in front of all of the English students for that year. So let's say you're a fifth form, which is, let's say you're 15, and you're going to be you know in New Zealand. 15 is the age group. Uh, where you're doing your first year of important results in your schooling. So in New Zealand, you're kind of your 13th and 14th year. You know, they're your first high school years, but they don't necessarily count for the end results. And 15 is the one that you really have to kind of kick in. It's actually funny, I'm just looking at a photo of Chris here, and he's got his bike in the classroom, it's so Chris. But anyway, um, so so 15 is kind of first important year. And what, what Chris did... And this is my, blows my mind away. At the beginning of the year, the English teachers, let's say there's five English teachers who are going to be teaching subjects on English that year, had to get up in front of all of the students and had to basically sell themselves to the students. So they had to go up in front of the students and say, here's what I am teaching this year. And then at the end of that, once all the English teachers had presented their ideas, the students got to choose what classes they wanted to go with, what English teachers they wanted to go with. Now this is this is quite an, a, quite a powerful thing when you think about it, because when we think about what Chris has done here, he's 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 put pressure on everyone involved, but pressure in a really healthy way. Like you can you can you imagine like if you're listening to this right now and you've got a job you've done for a long time, how hard are you really working on your career? Like, how hard are you really trying to do the best work that you can do? And when we think about this, you know, because one of the, when, if you read the article that this Al Jazeera article has, it says that one thing that Chris got frustrated with, wait a second, I'll read it out to you, this is a quote from Chris. Uh, when I first came to the UK, one thing that did strike me was the amount to which the system of education focused on exam outcomes. There's a lot of punishment associated with doing badly in exams, it seems. It's often led to the really conservative approach in the classrooms and schools. I think I think there is a more, much more that we should be doing doing in classrooms and simply getting ready for exams, Chris says. So this is this is really what he's saying. He's saying that, you know, the schooling systems that we seem to be creating in the world right now are just about kind of proving exams. And for that reason, it's kind of made teaching really conservative. And I imagine for many teachers, they get to that point where, not that they don't care, and I'm not going to speak for all the teachers out there, but, but ultimately that what they are doing is they're just ticking the boxes and sometimes in life to be put under pressure that is something that makes us put our socks up now i doubt that chris would have just said to his english department you need to do this and where you go and leave you in the deep end he would have supported them he they would have got down and done a strategy together so they're covering all the areas they needed to do and so on and so on but can you imagine being an english teacher in that moment can you imagine if your manager said to you, look, you have to actually go up and sell to these kids and, and they're going to have the choice. You're going to have to get up and put up there an idea of what you want to for them to learn from you this year. Can you imagine the kind of, the imp- how, much, how, how much that's going to put pressure on you in a really healthy way? Because ultimately I think in our careers we do want to be having a big impact in the thing that we're doing. And and ultimately what Chris is doing here is he's kind of making these people be higher levels of themselves. Also what he's doing is he's, he's making them think about what would ultimately appeal to these kids that would then make them want to choose to make English a powerful thing in their lives. You know, if, if I'm that teacher who, Chris is my manager and he comes up to me and says, this is what we're doing this year, we want to support each other, you've got to come up with an idea that you think is going to most appeal to the kids, it's going to get them, then I'm going to think about the kids and I'm going to go, well, how do I sell English to a kids in this generation? 
you know, and that's going to be something that's going to be really challenging for me. It's going to be really exciting for me. It's going to probably stimulate me or probably make some doubt in me. But ultimately what Chris is doing when he does this is he's making me a stakeholder in the outcome of the kids. And then also he's making it more appealing for the kids to move into this world. What he's doing is Chris is an influencer in this place, but he's ultimately influencing his world to make everybody have to lift their game. Lift their game that gets greater outcomes for everyone involved. And actually when I was in the UK, because Chris's way of doing things seems to be having an impact, and uh, he was saying he has to go to these you know, other English departments and around the kind of area, wanted to him to go and do talks about what he was doing in the English department. And um, when I was in the UK, we went out for dinner one night, and he was telling me he actually what he does is he goes along, but he gets the students to do the presentation of what they've learned, what, what the system he's creating. And that's what Chris did really well as a manager. I think back to myself as a group fitness kind of instructor under him, is he created these ways that made everyone want to be leaders, made everyone want to kind of grow and step up. And um, and that's the thing. Like he could get up in front of the other schools and say, well, I'm, I'm this visionary who's doing this thing. But he uses that as an opportunity to go, well, how do I grow more people grow? How do I teach these kids life skills that will be really powerful for them moving forward? And, and I suppose... I just I just saw this last night and I wanted to share this on the show with you today because I kind of think that, you know, like ultimately in the world we want more Chris's out there. We want more managers, leaders, uh, people above us who inspire us and push us forward to kind of create a place that makes us do that. Because I can guarantee that when he first put this idea to his teachers in front of him or that he works with, he probably felt a bit of fear. He probably confronted a bit of rejection of the idea because it was change it meant I had to expose my weakness it meant I probably had to be uncomfortable but I guarantee you I can't guarantee you and I will get Chris on I'm going to I'm going to stick at getting Chris on this bloody show but I will guarantee that those who decided to jump on board feel so much more fulfilled in their career they feel fulfilled because they're having to stretch themselves in their body of work. It's interesting, I'm reading a book by Dan Ariely right now around motivation. And to be honest, if you've read a lot of his books, it's not the greatest book because it's a lot of crossover. It's called, wait a second, I'll pull it up for you guys right here. Um, the book is called Payoff, The Hidden Logic That Shapes Our Motivation. And one thing he talks about in this book is this whole idea of that motivation isn't really a momentary thing. It's kind of a, a, it's a longer thing and this whole idea of my greater purpose is actually really important and when Chris creates a system like this while it may be fearful inducing when it first starts when these teachers who worked under him started to do the work that was going to create a world where the students would be appealed would appeal what they're creating was appealing to the students I guarantee they're going to feel more fulfilled in their work but also they feel more fulfilled because they have to challenge themselves in, in the body of work they're doing but I get like I haven't seen such a but I guarantee. Well, I know because I talked to Chris. The results of the students were much higher because of what they're doing. So not just I feel great about the work I'm doing, but the impact I'm having on the world is much higher as well. And if I kind of cross that over to what Dan Ariely is talking in his book, Payoff. Well, that's what he's talking about. He does this. He talks about this study that he's doing, and basically, it's kind of. What kind of reward do people ultimately want? And, you know, we live in a world where we think financial rewards are the, are the answer to everything. And, and ultimately it isn't. It's, it's often just a sense of you are having an impact on the purpose that we're trying to achieve. And so he does this example where you can get a cash bonus or you can, your boss can text you and tell you that you're really making a difference. And, and ultimately we, we all want that text from the boss, don't we? And we want that to say that, you know, you are making a difference in in the greater purpose we're trying to achieve here. He actually gives a really good example of the industrial revolu resolution. Revolution? Yeah, revolution. Uh, and uh, he talks about in that phase there where um, when that first came along, they kind of broke down jobs to micro segments of the whole. So, for example, if you, you know, look what Ford cars did, you know, you, 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 know, you kind of broke the job down to, so I'm just doing one little component of the job over and over and over again and ultimately that made people lose the sense of the purpose of what they were doing whereas if you gave them a greater 
variety of the job, you then gave them the sense of purpose and they felt that they were moving along that path. And with what Chris has done with his system here, he is challenging people to, to be a high level of self, to have a bigger impact, but ultimately he's given them the opportunity to feel the reward of their purpose in their life. And it's interesting, I, I you know, like I don't really get managed, I kind of manage myself because I work for myself, but I know Chris's impact on my life was powerful. Like I, I often talk about my druggy stage and, you know, that was a really important moment and it taught me about growth and moving on. But also I was very fortunate to, to go under Chris's wing from that next moment and he really taught me a lot and it was interesting as I was watching this because I, you know these things help you self-reflect don't they and and I was watching this the other night and I was thinking wow uh, I'm not sure if I'm really looking for that level enough within myself and I think last show at the end of last show I kind of talked about what I want to create next year and you know that's that's this kind of if I was in Chris's world would I be doing that now and that's just the kind of stuff we want to think about. So I'm not sure what I want you to take away from that, but I, I will try to get Chris on the show and hopefully I'll try to get him on really soon because um, I just think, I'd love to kind of, I always think of how do you see the world? Like one thing I'm thinking about talking about with my coaches, like we've got our running coaching team and, and, and we've got a great team of coaches. Like I'm really proud of our team that everyone who really cares about their runner, our runners and they really care about helping people get results and the people who care about the quality of work that they do. And... I always think about how do you see our runners? You know, it's a really interesting kind of thing to think about is how do you see the people you're trying to help? And, you know, one time, I remember what years ago, and this really kind of angered me, and I'm not someone who gets angry that often, but I remember I was talking to a person who was a fitness professional, and, and you know, you you guys know I've tried to help. Most of my energy goes into trying to help the newer exerciser in this part of my career. And um, I was speaking to another fitness professional, and they said to me, Oh, you just deal with the fatties, and 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 I was like, wow, like why would you? Wow, they're just kind of like just how how bad is that? Because really, what you're saying when you say that is, I look at these people as that they're failures, and I they're not even worth helping. Well, that's how I interpreted what they said. Then maybe that's not the truth, but but ultimately. I love this idea of how do you see those who you're trying to impact on. And ultimately, like I think about myself, I always just think this person wants to grow. Really, I do. Like I think if you're listening to this right now, you listen to my podcast, I imagine you listen to it because you want to grow. There's something about something that I do that helps you grow. And so I always think of as a leader or as someone who's trying to influence other people, how am I trying to see them? And, and not that I know how the way you want to grow or where you want to grow, but I just think that ultimately you want to grow as a person. And um, and so it's kind of what's the, what, what approach do I bring into something? You know, what's my fundamental thinking behind what I'm trying to create? You know, you see it in business. You know, if we go back to the Apple example, Apple is always the classic example that everyone goes to. But, you know, Steve Jobs started Apple. He had a vision of what it was. He moved away from Apple. Apple slowly started to die. Steve Jobs comes back into Apple. What happens? Apple goes strong again. And why is that? Well, it's because he has this underlying fundamental belief that he believes creates something powerful. And he's a really good example of that. His belief drove that business to success at the beginning. He, you know, he lost the business. He came back, and that, that fundamental belief got it back on track to what created success. And it's kind of interesting watching Apple since Steve Jobs gone because it's kind of lost something. And uh, you know, and I'm a big Apple fan. I've got to tell you. And but you know, they've obviously lost that kind of that what's happening you know that thought that Steve Jobs had that kind of the foundation of what happened behind it and that's all you know what's the foundation of what I think and what's the foundation of what my coaches think and and how do we kind of get them all on the same page to enhance the runner's experience and that's really what I'd love to get from Chris I'd really love to just kind of sit down with him and we can talk about the systems of what he's created the whole idea of this democratizing English you know getting the students to teach or choose the teachers based on a presentation that the teacher does like man that's gutsy but what I really want to know from Chris is what are the fundamental foundations around his thinking around how he creates these things because I know I've been a part of a world when he did that in the past and he made so many people thrive 
I also see what he's doing now, and I think, wow, like how powerful is that? Now he's just come back to New Zealand, so I feel very fortunate for the New Zealand schooling system that he's here because I, I hope he wants to have a big impact in our world because he's a very powerful man. But I want to understand what is the fundamental thinking behind that. So I'm going to try to get him on the show because I want you guys to learn from somebody who's probably been one of the most influential characters in my life. And so, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Anyway, that's our 20 minutes done. <laughs> I haven't even started my challenge. Well, you know how this goes, guys. You've listened to the show many times. I'm going to push pause because I've got a new patron on the show and I want to give them some love. I am back and I'm just going to name a few of my current patrons first and then I'm going to talk to you about a new patron who's done some pretty cool stuff. So first of all, I've got Sarah the Oracle Heel. I've got Scott ACDC Young. I've got David the Unstoppable Storm Hale. And then I've got Powell the Mystery. Also, I've got Karina Lifting Higher Hirschman. There you go. So those are some of the cool patrons that I already have. But one new patron I have, and this is a guy I know, he comes to my classes at the gym, and I just want to share with you... um, uh, his story because he sent me an email just say he comes to my gym he's been coming for a few months now and uh, he's just become really consistent yeah, it was funny I taught a class the other morning early morning I teach like at 6 in the morning and he was there and it was 6 in the morning and you know we're still kind of in the holiday period and he was off work and I'm like what are you doing here at 6 in the morning when you've got the whole day off work but he was like no no I'm on a, I'm on a mission and I'm, I'm not killing it so I really kind of respected that so it's Josh Ellis is his name and he just got I thought I'd send a quick email I uh, went to your body pump this morning I was just saying you know here we are sign up for patrons because he's really enjoying the podcast and he's finding it a great resource and I'm sure every bit helps 2016 was a massive year for my fitness. I went from doing nothing at all to signing up to the Les Mills 21 Day Work Challenge and would struggle through three CX classes a week, but you end up managing to lose 21 kg over nine months so far and getting into body pump, grit cardio, good strength, CX, and also running as well during my lunch breaks at work. So, wow, wow. And, and like 21 kgs, man, that, that's, you know, that's life-changing stuff, you know, and it's, you know, like, I, I love what Josh has achieved here, he's got, looks like 2017 will be even bigger, with pushing myself harder at gym and further with running, goal is to go from running 3k to 10k over this year, I, I think you're going to get to Josh, I actually think you might get quite a bit further than 10k, because based on the projection, you're kind of nailing at the moment, but, but ultimately, I just, I love this, this is what fitness can do for people's lives, that fitness can open you up so, so much. Now, can you imagine what it's like to lose 21 kgs? And that's that's so liberating. And then we can look at, can you imagine how much life is richer because you're fitter? Like, Josh has become pretty hardcore. Like, he's a fit man now. In the last nine, ten months of his life, he has become someone who's got the value of fitness. And the value of fitness and losing weight, you know, there's the body image side of it. But there's also the value of fitness with the energy and the, and the kind of zest for life you have. There's the value of fitness and the experiences he's having. Like, you know, getting out of work and going for a run is a really healthy way to spend your lunchtime. And also, I imagine the value of fitness and the esteem he has gained. Now, it just doesn't come across as a guy who lacks esteem, but I guarantee there's been a growth in his confidence and self because of the experiences that he has had in his last nine months of his life. And you, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here because I know I've talked about this a lot to you guys over time, but Josh is just a real, real example of what fitness can do for people's lives. And, you know, what I love about what Josh is doing is sure he's achieving all these results and sure he's looking ahead to kind of keep growing himself, but really what he's installing in himself is a lifetime love of fitness. And that's what this is about. He's creating a lifetime where fitness is going to be a part of his life forever. And if we go back to the guy he was 19 months ago before he started this, what can you just imagine the two different paths he's on? You know, the guy who maybe never exercised ever, and the guy who now is an exerciser, is growing, getting fitter, and so on and so on. And I'm not just talking about as in health and movement, I'm talking about as in life. And that's what's really cool. So hopefully, as I talk about Josh right now, uh, hopefully he's inspiring you. If you are someone who knows that maybe, you know, 2017 is more you to start this stuff, look to what Josh is doing and, and really kind of be inspired by that because it's, it's pretty bloody cool. So, Josh, your nickname. You know, if you aren't a patron of the show and you want to become a patron, you get an, a, a Bevan James Isles nickname. And I'm just going to call you Grit. Josh, 
Grit Alice. Grit, the grit? Hmm. Josh Gritty? I'm not quite sure, because you love doing grit, and I think grit represents so much about the growth that you've experienced. So I kind of, I'm going to go, the grit. The grit? Grit? You know what? At the end of the show, I'm going to confirm with you, Josh. It's going to be something around grit. Anyway, guys, we're going to get into the main gist of the show right now. I've got a challenge for you coming up, so let's get into it. Okay, so 2017 begins, and it's a really funny time, isn't it, when we begin a new year, because I know for me, you know, in the later past last year, I had this period, which I talked about a lot on the show, where I kind of was just nailing life, and, and the thing I discovered was that, well, over this holiday period, the thing I discovered was that I've nailed the routine of my day-to-day life, and how was that shown? Well, it was kind of shown because in this year, and at the end of the year, we go away camping. And when we go away camping, there's a kind of a, a lessening of self. Now, it, it, it needs to happen. I kind of need to just unwind. I need to eat a bit of shit food. I need to sleep and I need to exercise not as much. I need to enjoy, just, you know, enjoy my time with my friends, you know. So I kind of allow myself to have that downtime. It's, and not, it's not guilty in any way. You know, I don't think it's healthy to be guilty about downtime. I think it's a really unhealthy approach. But then what was really interesting, when I got back home, I kind of had a week where I wasn't on holiday as such, I was working a little bit, but I kind of thought today, actually today was the day, I was, or actually last Friday was the day I was going to kind of get back into my work. And I was just kind of a bit all over the place, to be honest, but then Friday came around and I just instantly slotted back into the processes of how to live at that higher level, and instantly I just felt, I know where I am. You know, in the last four or five days, I've just been kind of killing my days. And it was just a real example of, you know, when I'm out of my kind of processes that keep me good, um, I, you know, I'm just not as sharp. And, you know, nowadays, in this last period, for me at least, I've kind of been in a place where I've been able to maintain that for a while. And so I don't really experience that so often. And so it was kind of just a good reminder. But really, when we think about, why am I going down this path, I suppose? Really, when I think about my challenge for you. So one thing I've learned with working with a lot of clients, and and this isn't something I do with every client, but something I do with a few clients, and it seems to work really well. And I actually had a session with a client on Saturday, and it's an approach that we're really working on. So one thing I've learned with some of my clients who, who want to create change is change is a long journey. Change is a journey that takes a long time. And what we've sometimes done that's proven to be very successful is not try to change the whole but just try to change parts of knowing that deep down eventually the whole is going to be worked on and I did an analogy with the client I was talking with the other day and I kind of said you know because what we discovered so I'll give an example so this client here that we were talking about the other day they had just gone through an extremely crazy period of work leading into the Christmas New Year period and in that time traditionally that proved to be a really unhealthy time for them it proved to be a place which took them to unhealthy behaviors uh, in a way that was kind of not good for them you know in many ways you know dietary exercise mentally and so on and so on and this time would often come at this massive cost and in the first couple period, couple weeks of that period they kind of went back to those traditional behaviors and what we kind of we kind of jumped in about a week or so into it and we said look let's really try practice how you're going to be successful in this time and there was almost like a complete u-turn a complete u-turn in the what they did with their behaviors and in the next kind of month of this now i'll go tell you they were extremely busy like busy beyond belief and and there was one of the moments where all hands are on deck and they needed to be because of the kind of the situation that they were in. And after we had a talk, they actually nailed that period. Nailed that period in a way where they got through that period in a really healthy way. And they learned, what was there were some really great insights that come through this time for them. So they learned that I can actually be healthy in my peak busy time. And that's a really powerful thing to learn. They also learned that they got lessons from that time that because they were healthy, they learned lessons that they wouldn't have got otherwise. So a good example was this person, when all hands need to be on deck, was not very good at putting boundaries in place. And they would end up actually doing more than they needed to do. So while all hands needed to be on deck, let's say you know all hands meeting on deck meant that everyone needed to do 10 hours a day. 
well, this person would end up doing 12 hours a day because they said yes to things that actually wasn't necessary for them to do. And because they'd spent this time, we spent this time after two weeks where they'd kind of fallen off the wagon, and we kind of identified, no, let's get you on, you know, get on track and, and be healthy through this time. Because they got to a healthy place in this peak time, they realized, why do I say yes to this aspect of this thing? Because it's not, I'm not needed. And I'm actually better off to put some boundaries in place and say, no, no, I'm, I'm going home. And so they learned some really valuable lessons because they were healthy in this time. And they got to the end of last year in a place where they'd learned some really, you know, I, I often talk about belief comes from experience of success. And what they did is they, they learned the experience of success in a time where they had always been unsuccessful. And after that moment, they believed that in my peak busy times, I know that I can be healthy and I can be successful. And I also know that I can maintain the reason how why I'm able to do this. Because we put a certain level of behaviors in. So it was little things like, if I see a busy week, I'm going to plan on my food for the week. If I see a busy week, I'm going to plan my sleep. I'm also going to think about using, you know, offloads, so emotional outlets and things like that. I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to set my boundaries and so on and so on. So they know how they got there. And so then when I think about my future, I'm able to trust that the next time this happens, I know how to deal with this. And I can think of other clients I've done with this with in the past. Like There's a client I know who kind of struggles with control with eating and Saturdays used to be a real problem for them. And so we said, well, let's just break down your Saturday. And let's kind of create a Saturday where you can win and experience that you can actually be successful on a Saturday because for this person, they never were good on a Saturday. They said they was always a failure. So we kind of worked around our strategies of what, how you could win a Saturday. And what they did is they won their Saturday. And then we said, oh, that's cool. Let's try that again. And over a period of time, they continually kept winning their Saturdays. So they learned that they could overcome their Saturdays. And over time, Saturdays no longer became a problem. And with this person, we kind of we kind of realized over time there was just these moments, you know, where they were just kind of losing the battle. And what we did is we just kept breaking down, breaking down all these different times and had the experience of success. And this is really important. And so what's my challenge for you? Well, what I want you to do is I want you to choose one area of your life you're going to work on for the next month. Now, I don't want it to be massive. I don't want it to be, and, and, and it's kind of like, I don't want it to be like, I'm going to run a marathon. Like, it's not a big goal that you're going to choose. I want you to choose one daily routine or one one weekly routine or one time in your life where you kind of fail a lot, but you wish you didn't. So it might be that, after work, after dinner, I eat too much crap food. So it might be something like that. It might be that um, I procrastinate around something. It might be that I um, sleep in too much or my mornings are always rushed or something like that. So just as we're talking, as I'm talking right now, I just want you to identify one moment in your life that you would like to work on changing for the next month. So we're going to come back, I'll come back in a couple episodes from now, and we'll, we'll, I'll kind of, we'll, we'll do some questions around this. But I want you to choose that one area. And I want you to first of all, kind of think about what that experience is for you right now. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example from my life. So uh, from my life, my early morning routine, now, now I've, got a pretty, I've got a pretty crazy life. So I'm up at quarter to five every morning. Um, and I kind of have a bit of a routine that, now I've got to be honest, I'm kind of a little bit ahead of this, but I'm going to go back and pretend that I'm kind of not. So for me, my early morning routine was always, not a failure, now again, I'm, I'm, you know, but I could I could have used that time better. And why is that? Well, I'd wake up at quarter to five and I'd, I'd leave to go to the gym or go coach running uh, at quarter to, no, probably 25 to. So I basically had 25 to six. So I had 50 minutes before... I was going to kind of start my day. And really, in that time, I ate my breakfast then, so I'd get up really early and eat my breakfast then. Um, and then I would also, you know, there was, like if I'm going to the gym, I'd like to practice my class. And that would normally take 10, 15 minutes. Um, I'd also like to do some kind of my morning routine stuff. So like, for example, just kind of reading my goals and stuff like that. I'd also like to kind of um, just kind of do that thinking about my day stuff. So that was kind of what an ideal morning would look like. So wake up at 4.45, 
kind of, I do this kind of heart rate thing. So I do my heart rate thing, read my kind of my daily things, think about my day, get up, have breakfast, then do some mental prep for the classes I was going to teach. That would be the ideal morning. What I was finding is I would wake up at 4.45 and the first thing I'd do is jump on the net. And then I'd kind of know that, you know, if I'm going to eat breakfast, I'd need to be up at maybe 10 past. And then often I wouldn't end up practicing the class. So while I had an idea of what that perfect morning could look like, and sometimes I would get there, most of the time I wouldn't. And so I want you to think of a moment like that for you. So maybe just a time in your day or a time in your week where, you know, maybe you know there is a better version of yourself that you can get onto and you deep down know you're not really getting there much. So clarify what that is for you right now. Second thing I want you to do, so what's the area that I'm going to practice for the next month? The second thing I want you to do is then to identify what's the change I'm working towards. So for me, it would be that when I woke up, I would do pretty much instantly get on top of, you know, my morning routine as in my putting myself in the right place mentally. Then I'd get out of bed, have breakfast, and then have the time to kind of spend that 10 minutes before I go and do the thing I'm going to do to put myself, you know, on the job. So like to teach class, to practice my class. So that would be the thing I was aiming for. That would be the change I was trying to create. So for you, as you think about that one time that you're working on for this next month, What's the, the time of change or the what would be the best of? What would be the thing that you're aiming for in that time? It might be that you are, let's use the example of you are the person who after dinner you eat too much junk food. So it might be that the change that you desire, you might go with my, you know, you, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know I have my four or five bits of dark chocolate every night, you know, once or after dinner. You know, I do go I do go dark Ghana. <laughs> it's, it's very much cocoa based, but there's definitely sugar in there. But anyway, um it's me justifying my eating to you. But anyway, um so you might say, okay, well, currently I'm having half a block of chocolate and some chips and a glass of wine. And for the next month, my the outcome I want to get to is I'm gonna go for Bevan strategy, I'm gonna go for a dark chocolate and I'm gonna to try to have four bits and that's all I'm going to have at night. So that's, where am I now? What do I want to change? I'm waking up. I'm wasting most of the time. I'm waking. That's where I am now. Where do I want to change? I want to wake up, have some focus time, have some breakfast, and then practice the work that I need to do. For you, what is that thing? So what's the outcome I want to go for? The most important thing we then want to think about is what are the strategies I'm going to use to be successful in the change I want? Okay, so what are the strategies I'm going to use that are going to be successful in the change that I want? And if I think back to the person I was telling you about who has the busy work life, that's what we did, and the, and the person with the Saturday morning, that was the thing we looked at. We kind of said, well, if you're going to win this Saturday morning, if you're going to win, you know, being on top of your food choices on a Saturday morning, or Saturday in general, how's that going to work? Now, we did we did things like this person loves to run. So this person would, and it runs a lot, like Forrest Gump kind of running. So you know, for this person, what we kind of did is we kind of said, well, you know, first of all, when you get home, first of all, have some breakfast. So have the right amount of food for your energy for your running. But then when you get home, have a nap. So you might have a healthy snack when you get home, and then you're going to have a nap because we want, you, you, you're fatigued. So we know that you need a bit of a recharge so that you're not mentally tired in the second half of the day, which may mean you kind of eat poorly. We also talked about making enjoyable, fulfilling, healthy snacks. So we kind of developed these strategies on how they could be successful on a Saturday. And when I think about myself with my morning routine, well, one thing I would do is I kind of determined that before I went to sleep, I would almost think about what I was going to do when I woke up. So I was kind of future thinking, you know, I've talked about future thinking before. So future thinking is this whole idea of I'm seeing what I'm going to do in the moment of the future when it comes. So what I started to do is as I was going to sleep, I just think, okay, when I wake up, I also have this rule in my head is I'm, I'm not allowed to, you know, the alarm is the thing that tells me to wake up. So if I wake up early, it's like, go back to sleep, the alarms, you know, and that seems to work for me with I sleep. But once I'm awake, instantly I'm just going to think, okay, now's the time to go through your day. Then I would see myself practicing, you know, and so on and so on. And so I future thinking what I was going to do. Then once I got up, I'd instantly just, grab my phone because all my all my info is on my phone and instantly just go to 
my worksheets, you know, the thing that remind me of where I'm in my good place. Then I get out of bed, I, you know, have my breakfast, and I come into my office, and the first thing I do is just instantly pick up, you know, go into my notes and pick my notes up and start to work on the work that I need to do before I went and taught my class. So thinking about the strategies that you're going to do to be successful in that moment. Let's say you are doing the, the, the eating junk food. Okay, so the first thing you would do is you could do strategies like, I'm not going to have junk food in the house. So I'm going to choose not to have it around, but I am going to choose to have my dark chocolate around. And I may even just have it so there's a block sitting there that has five pieces. I may even break a block of chocolate up into segments so each day I can pick up that block and that will work for me. Then what you can do is you could kind of say that when I get home from work, I'm going to think about the choices I'm going to make for my food. Um, you could decide that you can use your partner with you as well. If you're in a relationship, you could say, okay, make sure that we both use this. One thing, a strategy I use with my dark chocolate is I make sure I enjoy the crap out of my dark chocolate. I don't put any guilt associated with it. I, I love it and I enjoy it and I'm like, you know what, this is good. Then, you know, I just enjoy it. You could also think of strategies that you're going to do after you've eaten your dark chocolate so it's not about opening the door. So I'm enjoying my dark chocolate and then what I'm going to do is I'm maybe not going to the kitchen again tonight. Or I'm going to have it close enough to that, you know, it's not that far away from bedtime. So you're just trying to think of the practice strategies you're going to, the, the strategies that allow you to be successful. And then what I want you to do is to practice. And practice and assess. So what is it? Identify the area you want to work on. See the change that would be the ultimate place you want to be. Identify the strategies you're going to use at that time. Practice the strategies and then reflect, learn, and reinforce. So let's say you're doing the chocolate one, you go to bed, and you've nailed it. So then what you need to do is you need to go, okay, why did I do so well tonight? Okay, when I got home, I thought about my, my strategy for the night. I had a healthy meal, and I, my partner and I, we both decided we have the chocolate together, and then I kind of just stayed out of the kitchen for the rest of the night. I also went to bed, you know, and so on and so on. So those are the things I want to reinforce. Now, when you've had that, you've then experienced success. So you may have always seen yourself as someone who has no control at night. But now what you're starting to do is you're starting to build the idea that I can have control at night and I have evidence to prove it. And you'll find over time what will, what your experience will teach you is that I don't need to go to that place where I go crazy at night time. That, that's actually a past self. And that's what I kind of like about this idea is it's just choosing one area of your life and making an impact on that. And getting to the point where that's no longer a problem. And that's really funny when I when I think about the client with the Saturday. When I think about with them back in the past, Saturday was almost one of their biggest challenges every week. And and working with them, and, and you know, I've worked with this person for a while now, Saturdays aren't even a problem. Like they don't even think about Saturdays right now. You know, they don't why would Saturday be a problem? Because they have learned and they have experienced, which has taught them a new belief around their success and on a Saturday. And that's what we want you to do in this one area you're going to choose right now. So if we take a step back, then what we want to say is that maybe as I think about this year, you might have a challenge for each month. And it's funny, I've got another client who we're working with right now, and she's, that's what she's doing. She's kind of, each month she's trying to evolve herself this year, and she's just kind of giving herself one or two areas to work on each month. And I kind of like what she's doing. It's a really good strategy. And so, you know, when we think about the jigsaw puzzle of you and all of the change that we want to create. And let's be honest, we all want, to, you know, most of us who have some change we want to create. Well, just work on this this month. And then at the end of this month, and you might have really nailed that, you know, eating junk food at night or whatever thing the thing is that you've determined. Then at the end of that month, then you're going, okay, well, I've won this area. So what's the next jigsaw piece that I want to work on? Now you can decide to go for the big thing or the small thing. And what I mean by that is you can decide in this first month, actually I would encourage you to go for a small thing. And what I mean by that is that don't try to go for the biggest, scariest, hairiest thing right now. Go for one which is, you know, there's a bit of a challenge in there, but it's one that there's a chance you'll be successful in. Because what I want you to learn is that, oh, I can create change in the small pieces of the puzzles of my life. And the more that I can put these puzzles together, the more I'm going to be successful moving forward. And then when I get to the big ones, those ones that maybe deep down I feel are so ingrained that I just can't change them, if I've learned that, oh, I can you know change the way I've done things in these areas, well, why can't I do it in the bigger areas? You know, that's that thing of belief, is that the more belief I build, the more belief I gain.
And so that's my challenge to you. Choose one small area. Think about it. Think about where you'd like it to, you know, what, what's the change you want to create. Think about the strategies you're going to use. Practice the strategies. Reflect, learn, and reinforce. Now, if you don't nail it, also reflect, learn, and reinforce as well. Like, let's say you plan to only have the five bits of chocolate, and then you went absolutely crazy still one night. Okay, well, stuffed up. What can I learn from that? Then, for this month, nail that area. Then when we catch up next time, well, I'm going to touch on this again, and we're going to kind of, well not next time because I'm going to get a guest on for the next one, but in two, you know, in that month from now, we'll, we'll touch, we'll catch up again, and you're going to, you know, basically reinforce what you've learned. Hopefully, be a place where you, this is no longer a problem, and then you can choose another area, and then you know, a month later you can do another area, and that jigsaw puzzle of you and that kind of you moving towards the ultimate version of yourself is going to be more and more likely, and actually going to become more and more real. So, there's my little challenge to you. You know, I always like to finish a segment with, so you'll become the better version of yourself. And I think that if you embrace this challenge and you choose just one area, 2017 will definitely be leading you to a better version of yourself. Okay, I've actually, I'm, I'm back, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you take on my challenge. Take it on. Choose your one area. Win it. Change your belief around that area. See yourself as a different person, and, and you know, keep building those puzzles. I've got a couple of little things I do want to talk about. A couple, and I got an email, and uh, Josh, I have thought of your nickname. Complete Grit. There we go. Complete grit. There we go, Josh. Love it. Okay, so I got an email through from Katrina McMillan, and she just sent me through an email based on the show that I did last one. Now, the last show, it was a little bit of me talking at the front end, and then I did, uh, I put an old episode up. I can't actually remember which one I put up, but um, let me have a look here. Have I got it up here? Uh, no, I don't have it up there. So, so but hopefully you listen to it. And she said it was quite interesting listening to kind of how I've changed a little bit throughout the years I started the show in 10, 2010 so it's been going for 7 years now so anyway um, hey Bevan happy new year hey, hey Katrina happy new year to you as well I just thought I'd send you a quick message I listened to your latest podcast you posted I recently did my very first half Ironman in December now that's that's a she's got it's an incredible experience first of all Katrina that's a massive achievement for those who don't know what a half Ironman is you swim basically 2k's you ride 90k's and then you run a half marathon. And it's such a massive achievement for someone to be able to get to the finish line of a half Ironman. So, so well done, Katrina. It's pretty impressive. The point you made in the show that I came away with, and this is based on the last episode, was when you were explaining what you said to your running client about making the decision when you get there and not at the beginning. So in the last episode, if you haven't listened to it, I was talking about how I was running or training a client. They worked really hard. They got to the point where they wanted to quit. And they're really ready to quit. And I said, well, let's not make the decision right now. Let's just delay this a moment and see what happens. And they end up completing the run. And she was just talking about this. And she's just saying, um, where, where am I? Um, I've just been for a run. Was running up a decent hill thinking I'll go to the next lamppost and walk. When I got to the lamppost, I asked myself the question, why do I want to quit? In a matter of seconds, I couldn't come up with a good enough excuse and for the answer being no. So I ran the whole way powerful tool Katrina I love it it's, a, it's another tool that we can add to the fitness behavior toolkit this whole idea of she got to the point where she wanted to give up and she just asked herself why do I want to quit and in asking herself that question she realized that the excuse wasn't really good enough that she can go on and manage to run the whole way up the hill so just a really good tool there is a really great awareness tool to put in place there. So I love it, Katrina. Thanks for sharing that. And if you are someone who, you know, learn, like I love this idea of learning when I am going to quit. Sometimes I do that in a class. I just kind of say, learn when you're going to quit. You know, and what do you do at that moment to delay it? You know, so, you know, because, you know, with my client, when I'm talking about in the last one, he, he, was, he would finish the peak moment, so he was actually meant to be slowing down anyway. But how do I delay when I'm working as hard as I possibly can for another five seconds? And, you know, and using a tool like, why do I want to quit, is a really good tool to use. You know what, Katrina, I'm stealing that one. So this is a really cool tool that Katrina shared with me, and I thought I would love to share with you guys. So that's kind of really cool. So also, just one other thing I kind of took note of this week is I've got a um, Vox. I love, there's some really good nowadays with, with um, 
content. There's some really good lot of videos and stuff out there. And Vox is a, is a website that seems to do really good work. I actually read another article. They had a on detoxing. They did a video on detoxing, just saying how detoxing is kind of just a waste of time and money. Um, and the only people detoxing really works for is like people who are literally addicted to chemicals like drugs and alcohol. You know, they need to detox away from the drugs and alcohol in a way that's healthy. But um, when we look at detoxing in regards to everyday people, it's it's you're kind of wasting your time. Eat well, sleep well, rest, you know, exercise. That's that's how you do it. But anyway, um, I just going back to this conversation I had a few episodes ago, and they're talking about you know I was talking about how fitness is becoming an elite thing, and it's a bit of a worry for me because there's this kind of high end of society who's that the market's going towards. We're going like Equinox, Soul Cycle, and all those types of things, which is you know. Let's be honest. It's probably where the money in the industry is because you're charging like Soul Cycles. I don't know exact price, but I think it's like fifty dollars to do a spin class, and and it's just a spin class. And uh, you know, whereas most gyms, it's either free or you might pay five dollars, but fifty dollars, and it's creating this kind of elitism along in fitness. And Vox did a very good article around this, just talking about how this is becoming a problem in fitness, because what's happening with the fitness dollar is it's going towards people who are already fit and it's going towards people who can afford fitness but one of the really scary things is the 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 poorer people in our communities are actually starting to lose their facilities because the things like local parks through developments disappearing this is an american-based article but those types of things are disappearing local gyms can't make as much money in that area so they're everyone's trying to find that top-end market and it's just a real concern for me in this industry and the reason I talked about it a few episodes ago was because I actually wanted to go to this whole idea of um, you know this whole idea of you miss out when all you hang around with is, is wealthy people and, and not that wealthy people are bad people but I think that we want to like exercise is really powerful because it allows us to expose ourselves to all different types of people that one of the best things about exercise is that you can have a plumber an unemployed person a lawyer a judge a school teacher, and you can all be exercising together and, and having these shared experiences. And this divide is a concern for me. And, and this article kind of shows that the divide is also a concern for the health of our world. So I suppose when you make your fitness choices, try to make choices that are a bit more inclusive and uh, encourage that because if we can do that, I know, you know, for my career moving forward, that's something I'm definitely trying to create moving forward. So just you know, I might put the link to the Vox article. It's a pretty good article. They do good work on Vox, I have to say. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much the show. If you want to become a patron of the show, you go to bevanjamesos.com and there's a patronage link there right now. I'm actually, the, I've been talking about the website for a bit, but it's the course I'm working on. I'm hoping April, so hopefully April will be ready to you guys can check it out. And then also, uh, my website will be coming out around then as well. So if you are a patron and you want to help me kind of just do the work I'm doing, check it out. Anyway, that's uh, pretty much this episode done for uh, the GoBeatingJimbo.com. Send me an email as well. And I'll see you same time, same time in a couple of weeks. Hopefully I'll get Chris on. If not, I'll get another interview with somebody. And I'll see you then. You guys have a wonderful couple of weeks.